0: welcome to amplify the personal brand business show today on the show bob is speaking with jerry potter and i look at youtube actually look at all social media this way it's kind of like a a piñata you know, if you've ever been at a party with a pinata and people go up and they hit it and it seems like nothing happens, they hit it and it seems like nothing happens, but stuff is happening, that pinata is breaking down. And I think it's the same thing for YouTube or any social media effort. You just have to keep hitting it, knowing that something, believing that something is happening. And so for me to go back, I got my first client when I had 17 subscribers.
1: Hi there and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets, the building, the marketing, and monetizing their expertise and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while well, you still have your device in your hand, take a moment to subscribe. On Apple Podcasts, it's the follow button. I think on Spotify, it's a good old fashioned subscribe button. And if you're on YouTube, you're awesome. Come back hit the subscribe button, the bell and the thumbs up. Go for the triple. And yeah, welcome back to the show. So this week we are going to have a lot of fun. I can tell we're going to have a lot of fun because when I work with clients and I speak to pretty much anybody, the one thing they will always tell me is social media is a hamster wheel. It's time consuming. It's inefficient. It's a labor. It's a chore. And yet if you want to build your personal brand, it's pretty much essential. So this week i am thrilled to welcome jerry potter from five minute social media marketing to the show jerry welcome
0: thank you so much truly truly honored to be here
1: i will i will take that at your word so five Minute social media marketing this in itself is exciting because social media is just for most people a giant time suck Mm -hmm. but before i Bounce down that rabbit hole too far. For the person who's meeting you for the first time, could you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do?
0: Yeah, so I describe it as I had to get fired three and a half times or made redundant, as we say in some parts of the world, three and a half times to get to where I was now. And so for over 20 years, I worked as a radio and TV personality or presenter, primarily radio. And as that industry changed, my wife and I hosted a show together, and we got laid off three times in five years, at no fault of our own, you know, it wasn't like anything scandalous happened or the ratings were bad. It was just like, Oh, we're gonna go Spanish. Now do you speak Spanish? No, I don't or not well enough to host a radio show. And it's like, okay, well, we wish you well. And as our kids were starting to grow up and we didn't want to move around chasing radio anymore, it was time to find something new. And so I ended up having a friend point out because I didn't it was really hard to figure out how those skills were going to translate to anything else. And he said, think about it. You're a content creator. You have been a content creator and an engagement specialist. Like you get people to call a radio station at 5.01 AM you everybody needs content now and it was just this sort of perfect moment in 2015 and so i i still didn't have like the experience specifically but i found this ad online and met with these people that were starting a social media agency and we just kind of clicked and they created a position for me and i got to kind of experiment and learn as we went and a couple of years in, I wanted to learn more about YouTube. Our clients were asking about YouTube. And so I said, okay, I'll start a YouTube channel and we'll see what happens, right? Best way to learn is to start doing this, I tell people all the time. And so I started this YouTube channel. I'd always been an efficiency geek. And I noticed that most of the YouTube content and tutorials out at the time was being created for people that that was their full-time job. They were the yeah. marketer and not for business owners that you know have an hour or two maybe to spare a week on this part of their business and so that was kind of where the name five minute social media came from along with the fact that the domain was actually available and uh and so that was that was the beginning of it and it's like oh let's see what will happen and When I start something, I try and commit to it for a certain amount of time, because as you know, if we don't believe it's going to work or make the effort at least like it's going to work, we will quit or we will the foot off the gas every time there's a little you know every every little bump becomes a mountain instead of a little bump and so i said i'm gonna do this for a year and oh my gosh it was discouraging because it was month after month after month of just this tiny tiny growth i started you know asking family and friends go subscribe and stuff like that and so it took me six months to get 100 subscribers Uh, Many times that I would have quit had I not told myself I would have committed for a year. But then a month later, I had a thousand and then a year later, 10,000. And it just took off from there. And so now I'm grateful that I think we're approaching 150,000 subscribers. And I've been able to meet all kinds of amazing entrepreneurs from around the world and help them with their social media marketing. And so now I'm just so grateful for what I get to do. And I have always looked at it as... After getting fired in radio and almost getting fired at the agency because my boss came to me and said, hey, we've got all these new clients. There's supposed to be this big celebratory lunch. And I was like, oh, this is great. Who's going to manage them? And she said, you need to manage them. And I was already working more than 40 hours a week. And, and I said, well, I'm already you know, doing all this work. And she looked at me and the lunch took a turn at this point. And she said, if you can't manage these clients, I can't keep paying you. And it was just this moment of, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose this job now too. And I went home, talked to my wife, and she said, well, figure it out. You like to figure things out, figure it out. And so I just started looking at how, how social media can be done more efficiently. And so now my goal is to make sure that uh, nobody ever loses their job or their company because they couldn't figure out how to make social media work. And so that's kind of my ongoing mission with everything that I do.
1: There are a few areas there I'd like to look at. One is how can we make social media more efficient? Another one is the YouTube journey and the impact that that's had on your business as well. So maybe let's start with the efficiency piece. There are two sides to this. Number one is actually creating content and establishing some visibility.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's fantastic. But as the saying goes, likes ain't cash. (laughs) And one of the things, having a little bit of a snoop around your universe, that you speak about quite regularly is not just how to create content efficiently, but how to create content efficiently, which actually has the desired effect of generating leads. Mm -hmm. This is really what I'd like to speak about. I guess what I'd like is let's talk about content efficiency first and what that actually looks like in real terms for the average guy with a small business. And then we can maybe look at how that can be more effective.
0: Yeah, so the efficiency thing, you know, when I was at the agency and she said, yeah, take on these new clients and these were bigger clients, too. So there was, you know, was kind of intimidating, like, oh, my gosh, some of these were well known businesses in our area. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do here? And I always say, you know, when I speak at an event and we talk about efficiency or what should I focus on in social media, you know, sometimes I like to hold up a pen and I'll say, I can like literally run a Twitter account for this pen or an X account as it seems to be going for this pen and make it a 40 hour a week job. Social media can take as much time as you want it to take. And so that is where we start. And that's why we have to start choosing what's actually important. And so at the agency, I just got to start experimenting with what would actually move the needle. But for entrepreneurs and for business owners, the the first step usually is figure out which social network you're going to focus on now people think I want to be everywhere it's free you know and I will usually say well you can also go stand on the side of the road with a sign you know that says we'll do your accounting you know for money or whatever else you know there there are lots of ways to advertise for free we have to factor in our time and so the first thing I encourage people to do is focus on one social network and the analogy that I like for this is because people say well they're all free." Imagine if each one cost $5, right? So as of this conversation, we have got YouTube, we've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Snapchat to an extent and, you know, by the time somebody's listening to this, there might be more that are <laughs> that are rising up. And so if each one cost $5, which ones would you focus on? Because mm-hmm. if a t- if you wouldn't be willing to invest $5 into a tool, then it's probably not worth your time, right? Then all of a sudden people go, Oh, never mind, I don't need to be on Twitter slash X or TikTok or whatever it might be. And I look at social media networks like plants. You know, when you give them attention and nurture them, they grow. And if you don't, they die. And so even if you're dividing your attention among three networks and your limited resource if there were plants would be water if you divided the water for one plant among three plants they're going to die right and if you divide your attention among three social networks none of them are going to grow and thrive and they'll probably die as well so so that's step one for efficiency and then step two is figuring out the things that actually move the needle for your business and so some of the clients that i've worked with over the years were posting motivational quotes and things like that, because they felt like that's the thing that they needed to do. And I always call this the, the posting and hoping strategy, right? Which is what a lot of us fall to in the beginning. That's all I was doing in the beginning. And instead, we want to figure out what actually moves the needle. So I have one woman, Chelsea Hayes, who helps course creators. Like she's sort of a back end strategist and launch specialist for course creators. And she was posting inspirational quotes and doing all this stuff. And, you know, we realized she was already good at what she did. She just needed to get in front of people, and so we created this strategy where it wasn't about posting. She would just go into Facebook groups where course creators were and be helpful, not spamming, nothing like that. And once she started doing that, she came back and and you know sent me this message and said, "On average now, for every hour I spend doing that, I book a five thousand dollar client." So I always call Chelsea the the five thousand dollar an hour you know social media specialist because when you find the right things everything changes and we have to stop wasting our time on the things that we, that don't work or we don't know if they're going to work and find the right things.
1: What's really interesting listening to that is Chelsea didn't have to be an out there content creator to be effective on social media. No. She didn't have to do the alternative, which we're all told is that the DMing and the spamming and the, all of these things Genuinely just lead by giving. I really, really like that, but but it being strategic and and, and authentic in it as well.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. And that's yeah. a I, I actually teach a strategy called the Peacock strategy for Facebook groups because people say, oh, don't be spammy or I don't want to be kicked out. But there is a way if you go into Facebook groups that other people are running, you can do things that make their group better, right, by giving help and engaging and all of that and still attract people ethically. And so I call it the peacock strategy because it's kind of like you go into this group, you show off your feathers and people go, oh, what's going on over there, Chelsea? And, uh, and it can be really effective without doing anything that makes us feel you know, icky, for lack of a better word.
1: Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. I think that's very cool because also, and I'm curious to know where Chelsea went with this, but when you go into Facebook groups and you're being regularly helpful, you learn about what people's real questions are. Mm -hmm. And that can subsequently drive really effective content creation, I imagine.
0: Oh, for sure. Because you are plugged into your ideal client or a customer every single day. And she has gone on for a while. She kind of backed off on the content. She just did that. Now she's relatively active on Instagram and is creating content again because her business has grown and she has the time now to develop authority. One thing that you will not develop very fast in just random Facebook groups is going to be sort of your authority. And that's that other part where if somebody goes to want to invite you to speak or be a guest on a podcast like this, as you describe, you went and checked out my stuff. And if my stuff didn't exist, then i assume that I wouldn't have gotten this invitation. So that's the other part I don't of it know. for sure.
1: So what you described about putting constraints around the time that's available for social media, a, 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 small business owner, like you said, they only have an hour or two a week and they look at what a lot of people will tell them they need to post on TikTok every day. You have to be living in Facebook groups. It's ineffective. Yeah. What I like about putting constraints in is Parkinson's laws. Every, any job will, any task will grow to fill the available time. Yes. So straight away we need to put limits on it and Five minutes is a great target because most people are smart enough. If you say I need you to write a social, they know it's not rocket science, but there are many things they'd rather do. And people will make pretty much any task complicated when it's unpleasant to do.
0: Well, I I will say, you know, the five minute is sort of a theory, right? Like this can be quick and efficient. The number one complaint I get on my YouTube channel is this video was eight minutes. This video was 12 minutes, along with occasionally uh, one of your eyes is bigger than the other one. But the number one complaint is this is not five minutes. And it's like, you know, we have this response that I wrote years ago now where it's like, that's the spirit. Do you want me to stop five minutes in showing you how to make an Instagram real? I assume not. So but some people are very adamant about it. This should only be five minutes.
1: So there are different personalities. There are really shy people There are very confident, outgoing people, I don't want to use the introvert extrovert model, because it doesn't really work online. But there are people who are very comfortable with visibility. And then there are people who are very insecure about visibility. And that can go whether it's in a small Facebook group or whether you're out there on TikTok, it doesn't really matter. So how do you help people outside of the practical, the functional with the mindset issues that go with that? Because the more visible you are personally, the more effective I imagine things become.
0: Without question. And I even get reminded of that myself sometimes where I'm, you know, I'll I'll take a break and be less visible and then I'll do a launch, for example. And then for the next few weeks after that, all of a sudden, I'm getting all this other interest on things. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got to show up. Um, the, the number one thing that I like to say to people is, you know, uh, lately I've been working with people on video confidence, and I always say hiding from the camera is hiding from your clients. There are people out there who have what you need, or sometimes if it's conversational, I'll ask them, do people out like do people out there have the problem you solve? Yeah. Don't you think... They would like to know that this solution exists. Well, yeah. Okay, then let's tell them. And that was a big thing for me getting over the idea of selling too. I actually had a mentor, um, Stu McLaren, known for the Membership Experience, who said that exact same thing. Do you have a like? Do people have this problem? Yeah. Wouldn't they like to know if you had a solution? Yeah, I guess they would. And that was a big mindset shift for me. But I think at some point, in full disclosure, I am actually quite introverted. I always say, if I'm at a conference, I would rather be on stage than in the lobby, expected to mingle with strangers. I'm very much, you know, when my wife and I go places, I'm like, don't leave me, don't leave me, you know, stay here (laughs) with me. And so, um, but when we are talking about, you know, showing up, and I think now even more as AI is growing, it's just gonna be this volume of content, a lot of it without any distinctive personality, us showing up as ourselves, as our personal brand is going to be so, so much more important. And so I think we just have to get to a point where we just either say, yes, this is important to grow my business or it's not. And I think it really, the first step has to be that simple. Is this important enough to take seriously? And if so, then we have to move past. And if it's not important enough to take seriously, then don't worry about it and keep going with, you know, whatever you happen to be doing.
1: Yeah. So. Let's talk YouTube a little bit because what I love about YouTube and podcast is very similar is that the more content you create, the bigger the asset you're building. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like a high interest investment. Whereas a lot of social media content, it's more like going to the casino. You can get lucky with it. How strategic was your choice of YouTube or, or is it simply happy accident that it's grown and become an asset?
0: It was 100% a happy accident. It was my clients when I worked at the agency were asking about YouTube and I didn't really know much. And so I thought, okay, this is how I'm going to learn. I'd always been interested in YouTube. So part of it was like, oh, I can get paid to learn this thing I wanted to learn anyway. That being said, I still now think that YouTube is, it's slow in the beginning, but it can be the most incredible asset that business owners can use. Cause like you said, it builds and builds and builds. I truly believe I could, Decide today, I'm never posting another video again, and I'd probably still get leads from it three to four years from now. I would still make ad revenue from my channel because that's how YouTube works. I had a, um, somebody that's in my membership, reach out a couple months ago and she said, I think I'm leaving Facebook for YouTube she posted this in our Facebook group. I was like, oh, okay. And then she said, Facebook feels like an abusive relationship. They're always changing the rules and everything's changing. And da, da da da. So I think I'm going to try YouTube. And I thought, gosh, you know, meta's properties can be so difficult and irritating. All of them can't be, but in, in a, you know, in that way, like it just, it, it can emotionally just drag you up and down as opposed yeah. to YouTube, which is consistent and they take really good care of the people that are, adding content to the platform. And when people say, oh, if you could only be on one social network, and let's assume I didn't have a YouTube audience, like today, if I could only be on one and everything was zero, I would still go to YouTube.
1: So YouTube requires a commitment in order for it to be, to work. I see this again and again with colleague and colleague and friend and friend. And yeah. they show me their growth graphs and people who are making YouTube work. They all, they all have the same graph. It's nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing, 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 nothing. nothing, Boom. It goes. Yeah. And you just have to wait for it. You have to play the long game. If you play the long game consistently, you win, but I'm interested to hear from you what that winning actually looks like with 140, 145 subscribers. I checked today. Okay. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of eyeballs. And when I look at the views on the videos, that's a lot of people who have a relationship with you, whether you know them or not. And outside of the channel monetization in itself, what difference has that made to your life?
0: Well, so, you know, we talked about how this is kind of a slow growth, but then I shared six months, I was at 100 subscribers and a month later I was a thousand. So that is that jump that you talked about. And I look at YouTube, I actually look at all social media this way, it's kind of like a, a pinata. You know if you've ever been at a party with a pinata and people go up and they hit it and it seems like nothing happens they hit it and it seems like nothing happens but stuff is happening that pinata is breaking down and i think it's the same thing for youtube or any social media effort you just have to keep hitting it knowing that something believing that something is happening and so for me to go back i got my first client when i had 17 subscribers i had no business i had no clients somebody just reached out and said do you consult and i said of course i do (laughs) it's a hundred dollars an hour and they said great i'd like to book a two-hour session and i went wow and so you know sometimes we look at these vanity numbers these huge you know channels you know when i hang around channels that have a million subscribers I go, oh my gosh my channel's you know so small It, it all depends on you know who you're comparing yourself to but The impact can happen much, much faster than that. And so my first client came with 17 subscribers. Now what I generally get from YouTube is regular growth to my email list. And then on the back end of that, the way I decided to monetize my business was through courses and memberships. It was a very intentional decision for me because when I worked at the agency, I would see some of the maintenance, we'll call it, that was required for clients that pay a lot of money. You know, we had clients that were paying $100,000 a month to the agency for social media and SEO and other things like that. And they would sometimes have to chase down payments and different things like that. And so that's why I said, okay, I want to get into a thing. People pay if they stop paying, you know, then that's fine. and, And they go away. And so that's how I built it. So for me, it's basically an email list lead generator. And once somebody joins my email list, things are set up now, they weren't in the beginning, but they're set up now to move people toward the courses and memberships.
1: At what stage of the YouTube channel's growth did that membership aspect become commercially sustainable for
0: you? So initially, I had no desire to even have a business. I When I signed on at this startup agency, They had me sign this document this contract that said if i leave i won't start a competing agency for a year i think it said and i joked i'll sign one for 10 years i don't want to have my own business no interest in that at all so i started my youtube channel eventually i started getting some ad revenue and i thought okay cool i've got a little money i can you know create an email list and stuff like that again wasn't thinking anything about it actually had a total stranger reach out to me on linkedin He was a sales trainer and he said, I've been using your videos in my trainings. They're so good. You must be making all kinds of money. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? And he then is like, well, you've got all these people. Are you making money? I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. And so, this guy offered to get on a call with me and talk me through. And he introduced me to, again, the idea of, of courses and memberships. And so it was August, 2017, that I put my first video on YouTube and then in February of 2019, I decided to launch this course. And this stranger who had reached out to me was doing an event, and I happened to be in Orlando where this event was happening at the same time for a vacation, so I just let him know that. And he goes, you wanna come speak at my event and I'll sell your course. And so I came and spoke at his event, did a three hour training, and then he sold my course on the back end. So that was the first course. And then in July of 2019, I had grown a small email list and a a fairly small Facebook group, and I just did this really small thing. I said, hey, I'm going to start this membership. Here's what I'm thinking will be included. Would you like to join? And it was $24 a month, and it was only open for two days, and I went to bed the night that CART was supposed to close with 18 members and I just remember being elated like oh my gosh this is amazing this is going to be so yeah. great i'm going to i'm going to love on these people so much and then cart automatically closed at midnight that night because i was living in pacific time and so that's when it closed and i woke up the next morning to 44 members which is when i learned the lesson about urgency <laughs> but i just my mind was blown and i just went oh my gosh this is this is what i have to do and yeah. that was the moment that i didn't think of it as a side hustle that was the moment that I thought, okay, I'm going to leave my job at the agency. And so I ended up leaving at the end of 2019, went full-time in my business January of 2020, got real scary there in March of 2020, but you know, here we are.
1: So when I'm speaking to somebody like you, the, 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 the temptation is to really get into the nerdy stuff about specific social media tactics. But for the listener, I don't think that's very helpful. Okay. because what's appropriate for one person's business is inappropriate for another. And so people could be very misled by that conversation, but what I'd like to look at instead is much more fundamental. And it's probably one that everybody can identify with. So you're faced with a new client and this new client hasn't really had a social media strategy at all. They've tried a bit of spray and pray, they have had conflicting advice from the TikTok Ugh. crew from the yeah. LinkedIn gurus and they're confused. Yeah. They don't know where to put their effort, where to invest. How do you help them through that decision? Should they focus on the short form video on TikTok? Should they just take LinkedIn properly serious? Should they just commit to Facebook because they've already got lots of friends? How do you help them through these decisions? one last thing, I guess, is there is also the long term investments of podcast and YouTube to consider as well. So what does that conversation look like?
0: So what we start with, there's essentially four elements that somebody needs to turn somebody from a stranger into a buyer. As i like to talk about it and there's just four and i built a fr- framework around it and it's called the date framework d-a-t-e and so i'll use those as examples as i go through but the first thing that you need is you need some way for new people to discover you and that's the d in the date framework and the number one opportunity on social media for that right now is short form videos it's TikTok videos instagram reels facebook reels youtube shorts Literally, just as an experiment, I started a brand new TikTok account earlier this year and my first two videos reached 2,500 people with and I had zero followers when I started. So the opportunity to get in front of new people is incredible. And so that's where we start, though. How are you going to get discovered? Now, it may not be short form video. It might be somebody who if they're well known and they are constantly on stages, either in person or guests on podcasts, that can be other ways that people can discover you. But you have to have a way that people you know, we'll discover you. The second part of the date is the acquaintance phase. And I call this the acquaintance phase because it's kind of like the person knows who you are. They don't fully know what you do or anything like that. So I equate it to like somebody that I see at school pickup. When I pick up my kids after school, I see them across the parking lot. I might wave. Maybe I know what industry they're in, but I don't know a whole lot about them at this point. And for that person, you know, I I wouldn't, be having a conversation with them unless we were the only two people in an elevator in most cases. But we're aware of each other, right? We're acquaintances. So that second phase is the acquaintance uh, phase. And it's really then that's how you're starting to nurture people. Okay, so we got to get discovered, then we got to get nurtured. And that's that acquaintance phase. The third phase, I call the talking phase. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation about all of these people that are consuming my content and, and engaging that I'm not necessarily that I don't necessarily know. And the talking phase is basically when somebody is starting to look for a solution to their problem. They're looking into different solutions. They haven't chosen anything. And so I look at that with social media or any business as the moment they start actively engaging with you or your content. And sometimes you're actually having a conversation with somebody in the comments or something like that. And other times, or at school pickup, and other times you are, uh, they're consuming your content and responding in their own head. Okay, but that's that talking phase. And then the last part is what I call the enchanted phase. And this is essentially where you are converting people. And so you've got DATE, Discovery, Acquaintance, Talking and Enchanted. When somebody's enchanted, they've pretty much decided you're their person, you're their business, they're going to buy. It's just a matter of deciding when. And so what we do in that is we really kind of work on your offer because they're waiting either to believe the problem they have needs to be solved bad enough, like personal urgency, or they're waiting for a deadline, or they're waiting for the right offer, or any number of things. And so so that's what we focus on that. So if a business owner came to me in the beginning, we would start by looking at what they have. Do you already have an offer that converts once people are aware of it? Great, Enchanted is mostly taken care of. Okay, do you have a way for people to start reaching out You know, to you, and we usually work backward. Because there's no point in sending people to your offer if nobody wants your offer, right? And so, and then we kind of work backward from there. And so for anyone listening to this right now, you want to just look at those four types of content and see what they might be in your business. And the cool thing with social media, and this is where I created the framework, is that different platforms serve different parts of the date. It used to be somebody could say, I want to learn more about Bob. So they start following you. And immediately you say, buy my most expensive offer. I don't know you. I don't like you. I don't trust you. I don't know, you know, nothing yet. And so that's way too big of an ask. And so now the way the social platforms are working, here's how we do it. So you can actually talk to people in the approximate phase that they're in. Discovery is all about the short form videos. Like I talked about when somebody sees your TikTok, your real on Facebook or Instagram or your YouTube short, there's a real good chance. They don't know who you are yet. And so we use that to get them to want to follow you and learn more. Then the feed posts on most of the platforms, in order to see a feed post, you're probably going to have to follow somebody. Rarely do feed posts go viral. And so they follow and that's where they are going to start to see some of that content. So you can talk to somebody who is not looking to solve their problem yet, but they absolutely are there and leaned in a little bit. So they're an acquaintance. Talking can be any number of platforms. For me, when somebody joins my email list, I consider that the talking phase. For other people, like on Facebook and Instagram, we talk about it as Facebook and Instagram stories because people don't watch stories for people they're not interested in. Mm. And so you can start to get you know, to know them a little bit more and talk about your offers and different things like that. And then Enchanted is whatever your conversion mechanism is. So for me, I have a couple of webinars. Sometimes I run a challenge. For a lot of people, it's that discovery call is, I think, the most generic term for a sales call. And some people do it all in the private messages. So on social media, if you were going to do it all there, it would all happen in the private messages. So for me, uh, so for me, it starts with, you know, short form video for discovery, And then sometimes feed posts and then the goal is to get them to my email list as fast as possible because that's the part that i have uh finally tuned and it does very well
1: what's interesting listening to that is at the top of the funnel it seems to be fortune favors the brave there (laughs) yes yes hang on i have to applaud that
0: that's perfect yes
1: (laughs) because the short form video in particular and video in general The majority of people, I mean, you and I mix in certain circles where videos become normal. We don't really think about how intimidating that is for the majority of people. I I almost fell in the trap of saying for anybody under 25, but I don't believe that's the case. I think we just think it's the case. I would say 90% of people find video intimidating, Mm -hmm. which explains to you why this is such a big opportunity. If you can move past the intimidation into a place where you're willing to be courageous and make something which is for most people extremely unusual less painful and normalize it desensitize yourself to it it's a huge opportunity
0: totally and all you have to do is start and you know this is this is one of the intimidating the reasons it's so intimidating is because we see this curated feed of the best videos in the world I mean, the best editing, the most talented people, the funniest, the most inspiring. I mean, it's unbelievable. And a lot of the people that are making these videos are videographers and and things like that. And so I think that's why it's so intimidating to get started. I remember the first time I opened TikTok several years ago, I couldn't believe the quality of the content that I was seeing. And even me, who's been a lifelong content creator, was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I don't have time to make this kind of stuff. Yeah. but. One of the things that's so great and scary is how good the algorithms know people. And so when you start making content that is for a certain person with the things they want to hear, the algorithms do a really good job of finding those people. And I've I've really leaned into, um, you know, I've always kind of done courses and memberships, but I recently added a higher touch thing where I could work with people specifically, like privately on their scripts and their camera confidence, because I know this opportunity is there. And as you said, 90% of the people are not bothering to do that. And once you start, like right now, I'm wrapping up one session of 26 people, and some of the videos are so good. I can't remember who said they were scared to go on camera at the beginning. Yeah. And there's a few steps there. One is you actually did it. Um, two, when you have a script that you feel good about, then that changes everything as well. And so being able to see for the for the person who feels like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. I've watched people transform within a few weeks. It doesn't have to be with me. You can do this on your own or with somebody else. But you are not as far away from making good videos to help you get discovered as most of us think we are until yeah. we actually get going.
1: I think alongside that, your videos don't have to be as good as you think they do. No. If somebody can create a relationship with you in their own head, the job done. That's the important thing. A brand, it's often said, is what people say about you when you're not in the room. A personal brand is what people think about you when they're not talking to you. And you have the opportunity to control that, to amplify it through sp- specifically, and in particular short form video, it's really potent. So I'd like to flip to the other end of the- go. Can I ask
0: you a question really quick? Yeah. Do you find, because I am. All in on personal branding. I mean, it's what I did when I worked in radio and TV too, but I think with AI, it's gonna become even more important for personal brands to really find a way to stand out. Do you find any backlash on that term where people say, oh, I'm not a, I'm not an influencer, or I'm not a Kardashian or anything like that?
1: I struggle with the phrase personal brand. <laughs>
0: okay. However,
1: it's kind of all there is. I've, I've tried to find other ways to express it. Influencer, I think is so loaded. Yes that I would never use the term unless I was specifically talking about somebody with a very big following let's give them a product to hold up that's what I'm thinking that that's how I would categorize it
0: okay cuz I I love that you do this show period because I think all brands need to think of themselves as a you know a personal brand to an extent you know one thing if we take a massive corporation like Starbucks yes there are i don't know hundreds of thousands or i don't know if they have millions of employees but on the back end in every store in every time they reply to you on Twitter or X or whatever it might be you get the same consistent experience because behind that they have a brand voice guide right and the, and and that's so important and we know from you know working with chains that have franchises how you can go from one to another and it's a completely different experience yeah. and so if you look at the biggest corporations in the world no it's not a personal brand but it's still a brand and A lot of people feel like they can't have a personal brand or, oh, that's not for me. But I think it is one of the strongest things that we can do going forward, which is why I love that you do this show.
1: I I think my my perspective on personal brands within the context of a corporation is they are subcomponents that if you look at the direction of travel in, in corporations these days, there's increased virtualization, there's working from home, Meetings are typically happening over zoom. Employees are feeling increasingly commoditized and leadership are increasingly remote. And if you look at, if we take two companies, one of them is as described, the other company, the leadership have made the decision to communicate, to build their personal brands, to express themselves, to share what they stand for, to show visible leadership mm-hmm. to build relationships at scale through content they have created a, a, a parasocial bond with their broader corporate ecosystem that will mean that they decommoditize everything because people are now bought in to the direction of travel they're going on the same journey they've got a heroic leadership yes where the other company all they have is a paycheck. Who's going to win? Who's going to hire the best people? Who's going to keep the best people? Who's going to have the story the customers want to get behind? Who's going to attract investment? Who's going to get trust from regulators as just, there's <laughs> so much power in the personal brand, but I digress, but you did ask. <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably looking at the time I'll make this my last question unless I decide to ask another one afterwards, but okay. the other end of the date is the offer. And what was interesting is you didn't go into high ticket, low ticket, but you were talking about what's a way that I can provide you value right now. No, we're not talking money, but we're talking, how can I offer you something going to value for an email address, for a, for a bonded relationship, for access to you. And because I was thinking as you were speaking, oh well, my offer is kind of complicated. It's very consultative. I'd need to really speak to somebody and, and develop something custom. Mm-hmm. That's not what you were talking about. That's very interesting. And does that come as alien to a lot of people?
0: Can you say more about what you mean by that?
1: What I mean is you talked about a lead magnet. Yes. Or a, a free mini course or a discovery call or free consulting, something so that you have somebody in front of you and a direct line of communication. The offer is, Come to me, I'm going to give you this value. Once yes. once we have a relationship, we can talk money later, but the offer, the initial offer is not money.
0: Yes. So so for a business like yours, like you you meet with clients before they sign on. Is that accurate? Oh, yes. Okay. So for a business like yours, when somebody joined your email list, you would start with The goal for any of these phases is, how do I get them to the next phase, right? So let's say when somebody joins your email list, they're in the talking phase. If somebody's signing up to hear from you or your agency, in most cases, they're thinking, yeah, I might work with them someday. And so we start off with emails that welcome them, give them value, introduce them to your way of thinking. For you, it might be some of the stuff you've said on this show about the importance of a personal brand, because maybe they haven't even gotten to that point. Maybe they think influencer. And as you said, that's a very loaded word. And so what that would do for you is it would get them from joining your email list to booking a discovery call. And it could be that it happens when somebody's like ready to go. It could happen within a day or two, if you give them that opportunity, or they might be there for a few weeks, and then get a link to your podcast, they listen to your podcast. And eventually, hopefully, they'll see that call to action at the right time to go through and book a call. And so for you, that is that moment where they're enchanted enough to go and have a conversation with you. And anybody who's doing discovery calls hopefully has gotten to a point or they're working toward a point where they have a pretty good close rate, otherwise you're just wasting your time on calls all the time. Yeah, so
1: I think that's a really good illustration of things because I think people can get hung up on the idea of the offer and attaching that to selling and sales. Yes, there will come a sales conversation, but if you're moving somebody into the enchantment stage, you don't have to be talking about money at that stage, which is quite liberating.
0: Well, and I the way that I approach offers is and just just for full context, I call this um, entrepreneurial time travel. So I very much talk through my ideas on my voice recorder on my phone. And that's just how I think of in things when I like I'm an avid hiker and I when I'm hiking I'll, I'll record things that way. And I, I've gotten better at deleting them, but sometimes there's stuff on there from several years ago. And I listened to one not too long ago that was from, you know, maybe four years ago at this point. And it was me talking about something I'd heard on a podcast. And I actually said, so they were talking about offers, which I guess is the thing that you sell. You know, I didn't even know the word offer and it wasn't, you know, not that long ago. Now I teach and coach offers. And my goal with them is always to have something that's so enticing that, you know, to, to use the, the subtitle of Alex Hermosi's book you know offers so good people feel stupid saying no or whatever it is and so that's why when I'm putting together an offer I work with clients on that it's like okay what can we add to this and what can we add to this and to help it almost sell itself now for you as you said everything is customized but you obviously have a menu on the back end that you're kind of choosing based on what they need and so that's where I've gone all in on guarantees and anything that makes somebody feel like, okay, I can take a chance on this. I'm going to move yeah. forward with this. And it makes a huge difference.
1: Jerry, this has been really good. I would love to have you back sometime and we can maybe talk. Yeah. We can, we can get tactical, but okay. I think <laughs> it, it's been appropriate to keep things fairly strategic in this interview because it's it's very valuable strategy. And I think what you described is such a logical, clear framework that it's, it's gonna provide the listener or the viewer. And if you're a viewer, I'm sorry, my camera was completely out of focus for the first 10 minutes because it was focusing on my microphone. That's on I me. Mean. Okay. Um, but the listener is gonna get a lot of value listening back and m- making some notes going through that date framework. What I love about it is frameworks foster freedom and this date framework in a very short period of time can provide you tremendous value you won't have to think so much you simply go on a date (laughs) jerry you've been awesome thank you very much yeah absolutely my pleasure if people want to connect with you if they want to go deeper with you where can they find you and don't try and search jerry potter in the podcast players Because you have to (laughs) climb past Harry Potter to get there.
0: Yes. Yeah. So um, normally what I like to send people to is I send out a daily email five days a week. And if you go to dailysocialmediatips.com, you can sign up for that. Some people say, oh, that's too much email, but there are thousands of entrepreneurs that get it every single day. And I always say the moment that you don't find it valuable, then just unsubscribe. I'm not hurt or offended in any way. So I encourage you to try that. And then the second thing is, since we did talk about the date framework today, if you'd like to learn more about that, I have a free training on it and you can just go to dateyourfollowers.com and it will take you to that spot. I signed up for that earlier today. I don't know if you got an alert.
1: but Okay, cool. Yeah, I am five minutes in. It's looking really good. <laughs> oh, awesome. Jerry, thank you so much for your time. Before you go, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago?
0: Boy, you know, the first thing that pops into my head is entrepreneurship because I wasn't a full-time entrepreneur five years ago. And the fact that I didn't get into it in my 40s, it makes me think like, wow, what could I have accomplished if I started this in my 20s? But more specifically, I wish that I had divided my self-development time from my work time. And this is something I just recently started doing. And so what I do right now for me up until 9 a.m. local time, that is my self-development time. And that could include hiking or going to the gym. It can include, you know, it's time with my wife. It's also reading books, listening to podcasts, all of that stuff to improve who I am then nine to three is my working hours. And then after three is family time or if the opportunity presents itself, self-development time. But we all need it. And if you don't do it this way, or at least what happened for me was I either, it all blended together and I was working way more than I thought I would or should be or needed to, or the other thing that happens is you don't do it at all. And the best thing about entrepreneurship I think is We have so many ways that we can keep improving who we are and that reflects back to who we are also as friends and family members and husbands and fathers and community members and everything else that we do.
1: That's such a good answer and it's a really important answer because like you, I imagine if you don't time block for the things that are actually important, what's left is that's seemingly urgent and they will always win and you have to protect time for the things that are important. Uh, And that really is your personal growth, because if you're not growing, we know what the opposite is. And the other thing that I would put into that category is everything we've discussed today. There's a thousand reasons not to show up on social media. And we need to time block that as well. And you've given us a great illustration of what to do in that time. So Jerry, thank you very much.
0: 100% my pleasure, Bob. Loved our conversation.
1: Me too. But that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you at home for listening or for watching. If you did enjoy the show, then I would welcome you to leave a five star review. That's five wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, that's a thumbs up, a like and a hit the bell. You're the best. If you did enjoy the show, then you will love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's 100% free as a gift from me. It's 50 pages of everything you need to start, scale or fix your expert business tap the link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap thank you for listening or watching see you next week Jerry you've been awesome thank you Bob hi it's Bob here If you're listening to this show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story, and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet.